0: We can race him. It's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael New Magic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of their shows. Real fans look forward to these guys <laughs> and their last because they know they're not talking out of their royal ass. Yes. what they say makes sense. So, well, ladies and gents. Sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents the Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts expert speak. The Magic, Magic Mike, Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.
1: What is going on, everybody? Welcome, to Magic Mike Show episode four hundred and three. What we learned all about Saratoga this Saturday, and I'm shocked to be honest. You guys, you'll notice Magic not here with us today. If you told me. Either Magic or Aaron was going to be sick today. I would have 100% said Aaron, who is at Saratoga, and I'm guessing he's dragging a little bit. How's it going, buddy? That's right. I, I am a little tired. I'm not going
2: to lie to everybody, but uh, yeah, I did want to come on today. I did not kick Magic off. He is he is actually sick. Uh, I was going to be all three of us, but yeah, um, I, I am dragging without any doubt. You got home a little late uh, yesterday, and uh, we, we definitely had some fun throughout the week uh, weekend, I should say. So no, I'm I'm happy. Listen. I had an epic time, and so it's time, man. I, I'm ready to be on Magic Mike and talk about it.
1: Yeah, I love it. We, we have, obviously a huge race, racing weekend from Saratoga. A couple features over at Delmar too, which we might address if we've got the time. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about the Sprint because uh, obviously, Speakers Corner going down. Pretty big story out there at Delmar, but there's only one logical place to start, right? We got to talk a little Travers before we go anywhere else. Uh, epicenter, man. I mean, I I, I want to talk about every horse in this field, but Epicenter right off the bat. What a race. I mean, I got to give props to Joel Rosario, who I have taken shots at consistently on this show for some of his rides. He was aggressive, got Epicenter forwardly placed, sat the rail around that first turn, and it was pretty much over after that. Once Epicenter got loose, he was clearly much the best here.
2: First of all, props to you for being a host and getting right to it. I love it. I love it. There's no (laughs) chip chat going on. Let's get right to the main event and to the star of the whole week, and that was Epicenter. And you're right. Uh, Right from the beginning, I looked over at Jared and I said, boy, if you could have just who placed him in a spot you couldn't have placed him more perfectly than where he was he was in a great spot to start you felt very good from from the very beginning and yeah it was just race over at the top of the stretch uh, again I, I i looked right at jared at the top of the stretch i said is this over and he's like it's way over there is nobody catching him and he just does it does it without even really exerting much effort i thought
1: no, it was it was very, very impressive. We'll see if we can get this to be a little less choppy for everybody out there. Uh, it, it was very, very impressive here. And, and one of the big keys was the fact that early voting doesn't break very well. You can see here he's sitting four wide going into that first turn. I think we all thought early voting was going to get the lead. Uh, clearly did not. And that kind of changed the the overall tactics of the race. You get to see uh, Epicenter here sit on the rail. And like you said, I mean, he just never looked like a loser loser once he got going. You had three horses chasing him in Cyberknife and Zandon and in Rich Strike. All of which I thought ran very well. Rich strike, especially, I thought ran a phenomenal race. Uh, what did you think of the second through fourth place finishers here?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I really agree with you. I thought Cyberknife did a nice job. Uh, I, I kind of thought there was a chance he could be on the lead with early voting, and we just didn't know how he would show up, and he didn't show up at all. Uh, and so cyberknife drawing the rail, got the lead, held on for second. Uh, ain't life grand was able to press him. I'm I'll talk about that in a second. I'll save that a little nugget, but uh don't know why that was happening, but CyberKnife still still holds on. Zandon does what Zandon does, right? And I, you're right. Give credit to Rich Strike. I, You know, I think on Twitter a lot of people want to say he validated it and he's a great horse, and then others are wanting to say, no, he's still terrible. I think the answer is he's somewhere in the middle, and I think people hate that because I think that we're to live in a society or a world now where it has to be black or white. It's really a gray area with him. He fired, right? He he ran better than I thought he
1: would. Well, I I completely agree with you. He ran better than he thought I thought he would, and I, I'm not going to say it validates the Derby, but it definitely doesn't make that as ridiculous of an outlier as it was prior to this race. And that that makes means that you know this this race is in him, and he's clearly improved since we saw him in the Belmont. Um, so I, I, I I'm probably never betting Rich Strike because I don't think I'll ever get the price I want on him. But for the people who like Rich Strike, I thought this was a good day for you. I thought fourth in the Travers was was hard fought. It was interesting to see that he stopped his momentum too once he left the rail. If he had stayed on the rail, he may have ended up running second in this race because that horse just does not want to be anywhere but on the depth line.
2: It's interesting you say that because why did they take him off the rail? I'm, I'm not really sure what they did.
1: <laughs> I don't know. He tries to go wide right here. You can see Sonny Leone kind of tips him off. And it, it seems like if he had just stayed on the rail, I, I think he probably runs second, but you can tell he does not like being off. He starts lugging in immediately. Yeah. Um, and it just, it's not. The the racetrack the horse wants to be, and, and uh, you heard his trainer talk about it after the Belmont, that he hadn't really learned to get off the rail yet, and looks like he still needs to work on that.
2: <laughs> yeah, again, you're right. It looked like he had pretty good momentum. The rail was dead at Saratoga again this weekend, but it did kind of feel like he had good momentum going. I don't think I would have taken him off of there. And, and like I said, Zandon ends up passing him here in the stretch, and then they couldn't ever get to Cyberknife which is still kind of telling you, yeah, they're not those two behind Cyberknife are not great. They probably should have gotten to him if they if they were uh great, but still it was a solid effort. And like I said, you saw the gallop there for for uh, epicenter. It's just like he stopped the clock in two minutes 0.72. And it's like, yeah, he didn't like Rosario was standing straight up on him, and it was a classic Mike Somich line. It was a don't fall off ride for Rosario, right? Just I, I mean we were talking after the race. It's like oh, big back to back wins there for Rosario. And I said, well, to be fair, Mike Somich could have rode Epicenter. I could have rode Epicenter. Jared Welch could have rode Epicenter uh you know anybody could have probably would have won that race
1: he would have been overweight if i was on him maybe if you cut me in half i would have been able to get him home underweight uh <laughs> but it, it was a very impressive race there from epicenter i thought he was phenomenal let's talk about the overall picture here now breeders cup classic epicenter's planning on going there Cyberknife sounds like he's going to the mile but the classic is still something that he's going to consider what do you think about Zandon's chances in the breeders cup classic I'm sorry, what do you think about Epicenter's chance at the Breeders' Cup Classic? Good, good
2: chance, I think, after this. I, I think, uh, you know, if you would have told me this that last week, I, I wouldn't have agreed. But, you know, uh, we're very close with the connections of Aint Life Grand, right? And we were talking the night before, and they said, look, out of all these horses, the one that could really step up and run a better race than what he's been doing is Epicenter. He said he ran, he ran a better race than we've ever seen him before in uh, the Jim Dandy. They've been watching him locally training. And they're like, he is training like a monster. is pretty high on him coming into this race. And he did it. He jumped up, right? Now, there's debate about just how much he jumped up. But look, you have eyes if you're watching this. Forget about the numbers for a second. He jumped up. He ran a lot better. Visually, that was about as impress- impressive as you could get. And it was at the distance of the classic. So all of a sudden, we've kind of been saying, well, flatline, life is good. They're kind of a little bit ahead of everybody else epicenter's in the in the in the mix now at least can he beat him i'm not sure but he's in the mix
1: well the second a layoff uh we hadn't we saw him come back in the gym dandy after he'd run in the preakness so i got a nice little break there uh, i thought ashton has handled this horse wonderfully kept him at the track quite a bit but still handling really well here in the later part of the year plan now is to train up to the classic so it looks like it's just going to go right from Travers to the breeders cup classic uh third start off the layoff that's a target start for a lot of trainers you think he's got a shot taking another step forward but coming out of this, one of the big things was the numbers that came back from this day. And I'm, I'm excited to talk about this because from a bet back scenario, I think this is going to be one of the more interesting days. It's either going to prove to be very, very good or very, very bad. Um, and we'll touch on this on every single dirt stakes race because every single one of the dirt stakes races, you had some, some funky numbers come back. Now, before I flip over, out of these eight horses that ran, how many of the eight set a career high buyer on Saturday?
2: Uh, the top f- four, f- I would say five Artorias may not have. I would say the top five for sure did.
1: Your top seven finishers seven. set a new high buyer. <laughs> the only horse who did not was early voting. From a time for perspective, uh, from a time form perspective, how many horses, oh that's not <laughs> wonderful. Uh, from a time <laughs> form perspective, how many horses set a new career best time form number in the Travers?
2: I know Epicenter did. Uh, I think the top three or four, I'll say. I'll say four.
1: Six of the eight set a new time form career high. So you have a, a, so is this race overrated from a numbers perspective is the first question that comes to mind. If you have Mm -hmm. seven of eight horses and early voting, the only one from a buyer perspective. It's it's not ideal. You kind of froze there. It's not
2: ideal. Uh, I think the question was, were the numbers over, number, overrated numbers. It's not ideal. It's not at all because it just seems a little out of out of reach. Right. And I mean, epicenter is a performance you could believe. But then when you see the other numbers, it's like something's off here. Right. Something's not right in this situation. Cyberknife, I don't think, ran a better race than the Travers that he ran in the Haskell, let's say, just to start with.
1: Yeah, and, and here you can see the numbers head-to-head. Epicenter, 10 buyer points over his career high. Cyber never improved, Cyberknife improves by three. Zandon, five points over his career high. Rich Strike, four points over his Kentucky Derby win. Gilded Age, 10 points over his career high. Arturius improves by three points. I, and it's just, you look at this and you're like, wait a second. How how can that possibly be that much of a jump for some of these horses, specifically like Gilded Age, who ends up running fifth in this race and jumps up that much, and Rich Strike higher than the Derby number? It makes me very concerned about using these numbers as, as solid data points out of this race. If you have all of these horses doing well, because clearly it feels like it got inflated because Epicenter ran so well.
2: Well, and it's yeah, exactly. And it's interesting, you even take a horse like Eight Life Grand, he ran a 96 buyer. I mean, and it's like he was he finished terribly slow, let's be honest, but it's just like, how how could he have ran a 96 buyer in that spot? That did not look like a horse that earned a buyer that's almost triple digits, and I even think his trainer would tell you that, so it is it is really interesting. Gilded age improves 10 points just out of nowhere, you know, uh, so Artorias wins the curling under, under wraps and then gets a higher buyer for, for being nowhere in this race. I mean, yeah, the competition certainly stepped up for all of those horses that I'm talking about, but it's not to that degree. Absolutely not.
1: No. And so this is, this is something where a lot of these dirt races and you're going to, we're going to, you're going to see, this is a theme as we go through the dirt races today. A lot of these dirt races, I'm specifically going to be not playing most of these horses back, I bet, because I think they're all going to get bet off these inflated numbers. Because It's the same thing on the time form side.
2: Yeah, the time forms weren't as inflated, but they still were higher than what you thought they would be compared to where they had ran before. Yep. Uh, I think the buyers were were outlandish, right? Uh, As soon as we got home, it's like, oh, Cody's Wish ran a 112. I probably spoiled something there. And it's like, come on, that's, there's no way that happened. Right. Um, But yeah, it, it, and again, it's, it's it's, part of it is a victim of how well Epicenter ran. And if you're going to set his buyer to where they set it, all these other horses have to improve dramatically because even though he beat him easily, he was still, you know, he's, what was he, like four links ahead of him. So that's where that comes into play. And so if you're going to set his ultra high, you're going to have to set them all ultra high. And that's, that's what you're seeing here.
1: Yeah, even even for epicenter. I mean, that's a, a sizable jump from one race to the other. I've been part of you know, making buyers is tough. Obviously, a lot of it goes into how fast they come home, the distance of the race compared to that same distance at the same age level and in, in past races. And so you're going to see big numbers when you have an impressive performance like this. But it just seems like it's, it's kind of wildly inflated. Um, all right, Rich Strike. What do you think the plan is for Rich Strike moving forward here? Do we see him in the classic?
2: I think you will. I mean, I don't I don't really know why you wouldn't. I, I, I think a mile and a quarter, he's proven that's probably his distance. That's his two best races have been there. I think you'll see him. I, I don't I don't think they should apologize for doing it because he was a derby winner, and like I said, he didn't embarrass himself here. He nearly got second. Maybe if they keep him on the rail, he gets up there for second, and everybody's really high on him. Uh, I am with you. I I just I'm never gonna bet this horse. I think he's extremely pace-dependent, but he made a run at least, and that's what you wanted to see. If you're a fan of Rich Strike, you have to be happy. He made a nice, solid run. He wasn't embarrassing. He beat half the field. So I think, he, I think they'll go to the Classic with him, yeah.
1: I, I, I got to agree with Shotty here. Zanin likes third place. Zanin kind of reminds me of Hot Rod Charlie at this point, where this yeah. horse kind of conti- consistently likes to run second or third, not good enough to beat the best in the group, but clearly good enough to consistently hit the board. Uh, just kind of one of these every year. It feels like Zanin's that this year's horse that, that just like likes hitting the board.
2: Yeah, he's I, he's just – he's proven it over and over. I was talking with a lot of people that we met, and and one uh, individual uh, that we met uh, was a 12-year-old, Jalen, who actually it's his 13th birthday today, so happy birthday to Jalen. But uh, he said, look, <laughs> anybody that's betting this horse to win is crazy. And his dad bet, was betting him to win, by the way. He's like, he, he, he had no excuse to lose <laughs> the Kentucky Derby. None. No. Like, he turned for home, and it's like, oh, he's going to win easy. And even like 200 yards out, he's like, well, he's still going to get by – and then they distance from him in the end. It's like, that's what he does. He's a hanger. And and again, in this spot, I think what they did is took him back said, maybe we'll just make run, one run with him. You know what happened? He got up there to third and that was it. You know, uh, even in this spot, take out Epicenter, nobody was beating him. How does he not get by his Cyberknife for second? Like pretend Epicenter's not in the race, he would hang again and get second.
1: That is, you're dead on, and that—that's yep. me. Was the crazy part about this? You don't get past Cyberknife, who clearly was kind of giving it up a little bit, even after you rallied to the inside of Rich Strike. Uh, you just couldn't get up for second. So it's just a- another example of a horse you probably don't want to be betting to win. But nope. Howard Charlie, what finished third or fourth last year in the Breeders' Cup Classic? I wouldn't be shocked if Sandin's in that third or fourth spot in the Super or the Try uh, this year in the Breeders' Cup Classic. We got. A- Quite a people that are commenting in the chat here, uh, specifically talking about that classic and uh, the, the matchup with Life is Good and Flightline. Chris talking about the two of them setting the pace and Rush Strike trying to pull the upset. Uh, we are going to get a nice trip from Epicenter, especially if Rosario keeps him closer. This is one of the more wide-open Breeders' Cup classics we have going into it because there are three really good horses right now.
2: Well, I think the key to the Breeders' Cup classic is going to happen this weekend with Flightline. If he runs a dominant mile and a quarter race, may not be that wide open. If he doesn't or if he can't stay sound enough to run in it, I think both are possible for sure. Maybe the second one very possible. Then you're right. It becomes wide open because now what we have, you're starting to get some contenders from those underneath type of horses. You thought it originally like an epicenter that are starting to really step up. Then you got life is good in the question of the you know mile and a quarter. Can he get it? All of a sudden, you know, if flight line's not there, it becomes a kind of a wide open thing. So I think the key to the classic is it's going to be this weekend at Del Mar. And we'll kind of go on from there. But uh, at least, like you said, even if he rolls, at least epicenter puts a little bit more of an option out there for people.
1: Well, kind of crazy that that after the Travers, I would say the most, uh, the, the horse with the least chinks in its armor really is epicenter at this point. You have question marks around flight line. You have question marks around life is good. That epicenter performance leaves absolutely no question whether or not he can get the distance, whether or not he can handle a quicker pace. Everything for epicenters is, is a go here real quick before we jump over to the sword dancer epicenter three-year-old of the year, any way to beat him now?
2: Probably not unless he's just nowhere to be found. And like a three-year-old wins the classic out of, out of surprise. Like some people are saying like talking about cyber knife and I thought he did run a pretty good race and, and, you know, if ain't life grand, that was not the strategy, by the way, to go to the lead. If he doesn't bother him, that might be a horse race down the stretch. Right. I mean, I still think he would have gotten beat. But uh, anyway, let's forget about that. And you fast forward to if he gets a trip like that and nobody's around, maybe he can pull off an upset. But still uh, to answer the question. It's going to take a three year old win the classic or epicenter is going to get there. I, I guess the one caveat is Jack Christopher, but we could get to that in a second. I don't want to. I don't want to go into him right now.
1: <laughs> All right, we'll jump. Uh, jump ahead one race, real quick. We'll take a look here at the Sword Dancer, the tenth from Saratoga, uh, and this one featured a horse you finally got at a decent price here, four to one on your eventual winner, Gufo. First time. This is the longest, second longest he's gone off, off in his career after being a, a short price, a sub two to one the last five or six races. Uh, what do you think of Gufo's performance here in the Sword Dancer? were you surprised he was able to finally get it done
2: uh i was not listen you know i love goofo so i'm not gonna say i was surprised but the big thing is uh he just loves saratoga i guess he loves his three-turn race uh, that's the whole key to the whole thing he, he just loves going three turns at saratoga it's, it's crazy and like he's he's in the stretch and i'm like well there's one horse closing our mere Mission's gonna win this thing and it, it's like that's oh, goofo holy hell and here he came so I don't know what to make of him moving forward. Like, I'm not sure if we go, okay, well, now he's back. and It's like he likes Saratoga and he likes that race setup.
1: Yeah, I, I think that the 12, 12 furlongs three turns in Saratoga is really what hit, hit him right between the eyes. And, I, like, phenomenal race from Mira Mission, who you mentioned, who was right there. Soldiers Rising came calling late, not quite able to get it done. Broom had issues at the break. And Broom was your favorite. I think we all thought highly of Broom coming into this. Obviously, he was impressive uh, running in the Breeders' Cup turf last year what did you think of broom's trip were you were you do you think it was the break that cost him the race
2: it's hard to say right we, we don't really know how he was gonna run because he never really got what you know his chance that he wanted he never really got any kind of a fair shot so hard to say uh i think it was a situation where gosh if a favorite was gonna lose or that was gonna be a big one that was gonna be the one to maybe look at and that's how it happened but you know these european horses we've had some success at saratoga but you know at belmont they weren't very good and the last couple of times here they haven't been good so uh yeah it just didn't break well and and just once that happened he just didn't have any chance to run his race and so i don't really know how he was going to run uh, to be honest he just he was never involved really
1: yeah you can see him here first turn he's kind of on the rail all the way third second to last not a great spot soldiers rising the horse that was sitting in last Tribuven. 11-1 to 1 this time out of, after being a short price, uh, coming out of the United Nations, was on the lead, quit there, got everything his own way. What do you do with Tripuvan moving forward? Because now you've seen him loose on the lead three straight races. One of the three, he gets the job done. The other two, he just collapses down the lane. Didn't really have an excuse in either of the spots either.
2: I have no idea <laughs> what you do with him. It's weird because... In this race, when he turned for home, I thought, oh, man, he's kind of gotten that Belmont trip, right? And it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, shit, we may be in big trouble because we didn't have him in the double. And it's just like he just gave it up. So I I don't know. Maybe that race there, Belmont, the man of war, that's his race, you know? And maybe he's just like Buffo, just running there, getting ready for that race every year, and he might win it. Like I said, we're watching this live on the screen now. He went to almost a fifty or forty nine half, and nobody's around him, so I was worried. I don't know what you do with him. I think you, I think you just kind of keep throwing him out there in those races and hope he fires with that with that big one and gets a win.
1: I, you demand value, right? I mean, I, I wouldn't have talked you off him at eleven to one here. Two to one was tough in the United Nations, especially with that setup uh, for him to fall apart. Eleven to one here, you feel like you got a little bit more value, and I'm with you. They went one fourteen to six furlongs. Man, when they went 114 to six furlongs, it really felt like he could just end up wiring this field. And you got channel Maker sitting there in second. No one sub 10 to one in your top four. So you don't really expect anyone to make a huge move. Now, Mirror Mission, obviously, I mentioned it ran his heart out here, makes a, a three-wide move around this second turn. At this point, when Magic was in the live stream with me, he's like, Oh, Mirror Mission's got a shot because Magic picked Mirror Mission in a couple of places here. So pretty impressed with that, that selection of his. And you can see Mirror Mission rolling here. It looked like he was gonna get the job done for a second here so this this is a huge heartbreak
2: for the guide article because we had a double a uh, ten dollar double and mirror mission was in it and her uh his will pay was five hundred and sixty dollars to epicenter gufo was a hundred and two R five i think it was and that that's for a ten dollar not a one dollar and yeah we thought we had it now obviously we we had gufo in the double so it is what it is but yeah we thought we had mirror mission home and that like i said a 500 hundred dollar difference big uh, uh, Kind of a heartbreak there for us, uh, but no, I mean, you know, he he ran great. It's just Gafo, man. Once he got going, they they just weren't gonna gonna keep him from winning that one.
1: So, what are guffo's off odds in the Breeders' Cup Turf now? <laughs> <laughs> too low,
2: right? I mean, he's too part? low. I don't think he's got a shot, really. But I, he's probably going to be sub ten to one, and he should not be.
1: Yeah. Now, I, I agree. You're going to see a lower price on Gufo. Like I mentioned, he he consistently gets bet. If you go back and you look at the the previous races for Gufo, uh, he was eight to one last year in the Breeders' Cup turf. Outside of that, never been over four to one in 2020, 2021 or 22. So this was the highest price you've gotten him in three years outside of the Breeders' Cup turf last year. You're probably going to get somewhere around that low ten to one, low, low high, like single digit odds, somewhere in that seven, eight, nine to one range. He's just a tough bet coming from way back of the field, especially when you're stacked with Europeans in that spot.
2: He'll beat me if he's, I mean, he's going to beat me anyway if he wins. I'm not going to play him in that race. But yeah, I mean, you can't, you just can't take him.
1: And what do you do with Broome? He's probably going to go to the turf here as well. Is this, this? do you want to see him once more of American turf or you're willing to, to play him back? Because he's going to get bet as well. It was 21 morning line last year. I think he went off around 12 to one or so. He's going to take some money again.
2: If he wins, he beats me. You know, I, I don't, I don't care for him uh, in that spot as well. I mean, you say that now, a lot could change between now and November. But it just seems to be if a European's going to win that race, it, it's probably not going to be Broom. Somebody else will probably come over here that's got a little bit better chance than he does. I would say.
1: And we did, we did see this. Chris mentioned it. We got domestic spending back on the work tab today for Chad Brown, so that's uh, another one that would be interesting to see where he ends up. I, I would be surprised if he's ready for the turf since today is the first time he's worked in almost a year, right? I'm yes. Yeah. First time in almost a year. I would be wildly interested wherever
2: he shows up. I like that. It's not going to be the Breeders' Cup. But uh, yeah, that horse can really run. Uh, We'll see. Uh, If you remember, what a a disheartening way to kind of for him to disappear. He lost that race uh, at Arlington as a huge favorite. And then we never got to see him again. I'm I'm very excited that he's back in the work time. Hopefully he can stay healthy. That's the big thing.
1: And real quick, just, just for references sake, let's take a look at the buyers this race and then previous races so you can see the difference from the turf to the, the dirt. Gufo runs a 104, ties a career best, Mira Mission 103, but it has been improving, so not surprising there. Soldier Rising gets a 103, an improving four-year-old. Everyone else doesn't match their career buyer or drops a little bit here. So you can see the top three kind of take steps forward, and everyone behind them, the buyers fit. These all make sense. That's kind of the point on what I'm trying to point out here.
2: Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You know, you might see a a jump up by a point or two. Huge difference between one point and 10.
1: Yes, especially when you're finishing sixth. All right, let's uh, (laughs) let's head one race earlier here. We're going to go to the personal ensign. This one I thought was wildly interesting as well. You have Latruska search results, Clarier, Crazy Beautiful and Malathat. probably five of the six best fillies in the country right now, banging heads. Uh, we'll, we'll pull the replay up here, real quick. What do you think of this year's personal lens And, and how hated, frustrating it, is hated now like that? Hated
2: everything about it. Hated every moment of this race. Yeah, it was the it was the low light of the weekend, without any doubt. We wanted to throw up pretty much the whole race. Could see what was going to happen. Could see it coming a mile away. Uh, we were standing right by the gate. Clarier banged her head twice on the gate, and then was twenty links behind. I thought, well, she's just done, and that's that's really unfortunate. You go to that. Latrussa gets headed by search results, and it's like, yeah. She's not going to do it. So I still am alive to search results. But you know what happens when Latruska isn't the same and Clario doesn't fire and search results can't go a mile and an eighth? Malathot wins. That's It's what not happens.
1: crazy beautiful. I'll tell you that much. No. Um, and this is this is one of, I, I thought, I can't get Malathot right. And it, no. it, it's, it's very frustrating to see Malathot win this race. And I, I loved Latruska in this spot. At the half mile, I was ready to count my money. When she put up that 48 half, I'm like, oh, this is going to be very – if she's anywhere close to the old Latruska, we'll talk about that in a second as well, this is going to be very, very, very tough for her to get beat. I thought search results ran a hell of a race. Um, You have mentioned Clariere hit the gate twice at the start. This is a total line through it for Clariere, right? We're not even worried about this one?
2: No, yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, I mean – uh, we we were talking to Slim. He was right at the winner's circle, and he's like, it, it looked bad from her, from his vantage point. Yeah, draw a line through it. It's just something that happened. She acted up at, at the worst possible moment. Latruska, you're so right. We, she turned for home, and Jared had right her pick. And I'm like, okay, it, it's time. <laughs> if Latruska can't toss away search results again, who wants no part of this distance, then she's, she's pretty much done. Look at this. I mean, she should win from here.
1: Yeah, right here you felt like, okay, this is over. I mean, search results can't get by. Malafat doesn't like passing anybody. This this should be done. And, and it's amazing to me that by the end t- top of the stretch, she's already passed. You already know she's going to lose right here when yep. she wasn't able to kind of open that up, open up like she had generally in the past. So pretty disappointing there from Latruska. We'll talk to her about talk about her a little bit more. One thing you can notice with Malafat is those blinkers are on. Yep. This was second time blinkers. So a lot of the their talk right after this race was the difference in Malafat was the second time blinkers. Now she looked kind of awkward first time out in the blinkers. This time she did look much more comfortable. Do you think that's the reason why she got by search results? Or you think it's simply as everything went wrong for every other contender and she was able to take advantage of that?
2: Yeah, it has nothing to do with the blinkers. I hope uh, everybody, actually, yes, it did. Please better next time. Make her the favorite. (laughs) No, here's what happened. It's very simple. The horse that was better than her, that we know were better than her, didn't run a step. Latruska isn't the same. Search results once a mile or mile 16th at the most. You notice the last eighth of a mile, nobody fired that was better than Malathot. And Malathot could run down search results because she's not a mile and an eighth horse. That's all that really happened in that race. So, I mean, listen, you still have to give her credit. She had to fire. She had to run a race. I am against Malathot no matter where she shows up next. I, I don't think she's that good. I really pissed she won the race. I thought it was absolute special circumstances to a T for her. Again, I give her credit. She'd have to fire. She'd have to show a little hard and go past search results. If search results once a mile and an eighth, I don't see any way she gets past her. She just doesn't. She's just not that type of horse.
1: Do you think that uh, Pratt sent search results a little bit early? I know a couple of people in the chat mentioned uh, they, they thought Pratt might have pushed the button too soon and that's why he ended up getting caught late there. You think he no. could have held out a little bit more? No yep i'm with you i i agree on that front um all right now let's talk a little bit about the, how the numbers came back from this race actually real quick if nest had run in this race would nest been your winner by
2: five yeah
1: okay so i just wanted to check that so you believe nest will also be your favorite in the distaff?
2: i think she'll be a very short price yes
1: okay now based off of that do you know what a career high buyer is uh, i do what's Nest's career high buyer uh 104 i think do you know what this race came back at? <laughs> I I do, but tell me anyway. <laughs> this this was the one one that caused me to start really looking at everything for the for the weekend. Malathak gets a one hundred and five. Search results gets a one hundred and four. And Latruska finishing third ties her, her second or third highest career buyer and ties the number she got for winning this race two year or last year with a one hundred and one. Do those seem high to you, Aaron? I mean, at this point, if you look at these numbers and you're taking them serious, I,
2: I don't really know what to tell you. The the glaring one again and again, it, the first place finisher, it is what it is, right? They ran well. You can make a case. Latruska at a one-on-one is, is insanity. Zandon at what he was in the Travers is insanity. It's crazy. They did not run that well. Latruska ran a one-on-one. She, she quit running at the top of the stretch, for God's sakes. I mean. The only reason she finished third is because crazy beautiful was behind her and Clarier, who knows what was wrong with her, you know? So these numbers are, are incredible.
1: So we have two dirt races we've covered. We have in those two dirt races, uh, it was 11 horses have run eight of the 11 have set a new career high buyer. <laughs> and we have a one-on-one for Latruska as another one of those horses. So just keep that in mind kind of, as we go through these dirt races, again, I think a lot of these numbers are inflated specifically horses that ran second or third on the dirt. And we'll talk more about that here shortly, because we're going to have some more discussion on some dirt races as we go one race forward now and head into the H Allen Jerkins. Uh, This one was all about Jack Christopher, and it was nice to see a superstar deliver in this spot. Happy to see Jack Christopher get back to one turn as well, because that clearly was a huge difference here. Yeah, absolutely. He was fun. He's
2: He's a really fun horse. I like one that is that is super, super predictable and dependable, and that's what he is to a T. This horse gets the same spot each time he runs. Second, a length off, give me a target. No more than two. Between a length and two lengths off, give him a target. He does it every time. He outbroke everybody here, and I looked at and I said, oh, shit, he's going to be on the lead today. I don't want that. Conager, who didn't break well, rushes up. I said, the race is over. He'll just stalk him and go right by this is a really, really nice horse.
1: I love these type of horses that can make their own trip. And you hit the nail on the head there. He he could have easily gone to the lead. And he's like, nope, I'm just going to let Conager go. Because I know if he goes, he's going to be gassed by the time we get into the lane. Because he. you see the 22 flat opening quarter. He actually went twenty-one and three after that poor break to be able to get that type of lead, and Jack Christopher just gets to sit comfortably, sit right outside, and get this perfect stalking position. And when he stalks, he's he is so 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 deadly. And he was able to do it at two turns. I thought was really impressive as well. Obviously, couldn't quite handle the distance in the Haskell, uh, but when you get him at one turn, I mean, he is just filthy. What do you do with him? Hey, listen, even when you, even that Haskell, he ran the same race. He just
2: flattened because he couldn't get it. What do you do with him? I think you take him to the sprint because the sprint is usually won by a horse that has this running style or at least comes from out of it. And I wouldn't take him two turns again. I know it's a mile and a shorter race. I wouldn't run him two turns. I'd keep him in these one-turn races. I'd take him to the sprint. By the way, Gun Knight ran a fantastic race. He really tried his heart out to get him. He's just not quite as good as Jeff Christopher.
1: A monster effort from Gunite, who loves Saratoga, by the way. This is one of those horses where I'm going to be a little concerned when he leaves the comfortable confines of the spa because all four of his best career efforts have now been over this Saratoga track. and He just hasn't been able to to quite bring it anywhere else. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting if we go sprint or mile here. He's the heavy, heavy favorite in the mile. Who else is running in the mile that could get him? And you face Jackie's Warrior, and you're going to face – we'll talk a little about Laurel Park in a second here, too. You're going to face some very good horses in the sprint. The mile, year after year, is awful. Like, And it seems like he would be 2-5, to 3-5 to five if he decided to go to the mile, much like life was good was last year.
2: Yeah, no, you're right. I, I do think he would be a pretty short price. And it is a mile, and he's proven he could get that. But I would just be worried about that second turn. I'm not sure – you know, I know that it's the same distance, but man, that configuration is a huge difference. A one turn mile versus a two. And I, I would be a little nervous. Plus, it's a little bit more prestigious to run in a race uh, like the sprint versus the dirt mile. Uh, it's its not that dirt miles not taken quite as serious. So I get it. I think either spot, he's going to have a great shot. And again, the thing that why I picked him in the Haskell is because, boy, he can just turn it off when he wants to. And I thought even if that pedigree isn't there he'll be able to finish strong and he didn't do it in the Haskell. So, you know, maybe a two turn mile be okay. I'm kind of rambling because I just really like this worst but I, I think either spot, he's going to have a big shot.
1: I would love to see him in the sprint. I, I agree with you. His yeah. style fits the sprint perfectly. You don't yep. want to be on the lead. You saw what happened last year to Jackie's warrior. When you're on the lead, we look back at, 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 um, you know, horses that have won this in the last few years, They've all, I mean, obviously Aloha was came from the clouds to win uh, after that thing fell apart for him. Uh, you had horses that want to be sitting mid-pack and make that move. And Jack Christopher just makes that trip for himself every single time. And I think he's better at six than he is at seven or a mile. He's been great in the one turn seven and mile races, but I think he's even better at six furlongs. Gunite yeah. runs huge out of this. Gunite is a sprint candidate as well.
2: I think so. I think I think that'd be a good spot for him as well. He he makes a lot of sense there. And uh, listen, he, he he almost won his third in a row here. He won a race at Churchill where he had to fight and he had to win. He fought off uh, a horse last time out, or two races back, the Amsterdam. He was making up ground in this race. If this was a mile, maybe it gets close, you know. Um, so yeah, I think gunite is is definitely a candidate for the for the sprint or the mile, one or the other.
1: And we're going to take a quick look at the elapsed, oh, I'm sorry, the incremental pace here, just so we can look at that last quarter of a mile there for Jack Christopher. 12.71, Gunite came home in 12.5. So Jack Christopher was a little bit faster in that last final furlong and catching up a final time here. And this is important to remember of 121.51 for the final time. Um, what did you think? So I want to talk about a couple of horses here before we look at the overall buyer, buyer figures. Conniger I thought pretty good effort. Kind of after that break, didn't really have a chance. I, I, I kind of like Conniger coming back if he's in the right spot. Do you have any interest in Conniger betting off this effort? Yeah, I do. I,
2: I thought both the horses that were coming out of the Iowa Festival of Racing just kind of got unfortunate trips. And he was definitely one, you know. Uh, I thought he would break if he broke, broke cleaning, he would get to the lead and he would be the, you know, hang on and kind of be tough to pass. But you're right. You made a really good point. Forget about the opening quarter after he stumbled. They had to rush him and he was really flying that opening quarter. And I don't think once they rushed him up and he had to rush inside of horses, I don't really think they were able to get him to relax. I think he was just going as fast as he could the whole time. And I think that really killed him in the spot.
1: Yeah, if you break better against a weaker group, I think he is really, really dangerous. And then a creed of the other horse I think we got to talk a little about here. I was really disappointed in this effort. This was one of two Chad Brown horses that was very lightly raced on the day at three. The other that we, we didn't talk much about in the Traverse. Um, but I thought Akriti was going to sit a really nice trip here. Was beat Gunite, or Lost by a nose to Gunite last time out and just didn't fire at all. Were you surprised by the effort from accretive I was. I very much was. I was with you. I thought he could run third or fourth. and. He just didn't fire
2: at all, like you said, and I thought Actuator was kind of sneaky to get up and hit the board as well, and he didn't do anything. So uh, really, past the, I mean, you'll give you give Running Son of a Gun some credit. He kind of picked up some pieces there, but past those top two, I don't think you saw a lot of the other main challengers really fire with much of an effort.
1: Yeah, not that it would have really mattered too much as well, as well as those two fire horses did end up firing. We'll take a quick look at the buyers. This one doesn't jump out to you as much as the others. Conagher and Accretive both take steps back and forth or fifth. Jack Christopher gets a 104. Gunite gets a 102. I that that Gunnite buyers just remind me a lot of the assassin horse right now. You saw you saw it with uh with Epicenter as well that just slow build up to these kind of big efforts, and you're seeing that slow build up from Gunnite, him getting progressively better each start. So I'm excited to see what he does here in the back half of the year. Yeah,
2: you know he's fun. He's he's a fun horse. And you know he, he's lost twice this this year. Once was to Conagher, and Conagher just ran away from him. And it was it was Gunite's first start off of a long layoff uh, since a two year old, uh, obviously. And then here to Jack Christopher. So even the races he's lost. He's, it's been pretty darn good horses. I'm excited for him too. You made a point. He might just love, uh, uh, Saratoga. Yes, he did win at Churchill earlier in the year, but these Saratoga races have been wildly better, uh,
1: than where we've seen him elsewhere. Yeah, he's now he's now three for four with one second at Saratoga. Uh, Three of his four career high buyers have come at I'm sorry, four of his five career high buyers have come at Saratoga. That's uh, winning the Saratoga special or coming second in Saratoga special, winning the hopeful, winning the Amsterdam. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if he's able to replicate that success elsewhere. Before we jump on here, if they both show up for the sprint, who's your favorite? Jack Christopher or Jackie's Warrior? I think Jackie's Warrior is still the favorite. You think, yeah, I I would I would expect that Jackie's Warrior would be the favorite. I would probably be more likely to bet Jack Christopher off of those efforts. We'll talk about Jackie's Warrior in a second here. Got a lot of people talking about the the Breeders' Cup Mile, Cyberknife one that, that I wouldn't be shocked if Cyberknife ends up in the Breeders' Cup Mile, not the classic off that effort. Art Collector is another one talking about going to the mile. Papa Cap going to the mile. Cody's Wish, who we'll talk about in a second here, possibly going to the mile. Do you think the mile actually shapes up to be a little bit more difficult this year than we've seen in the past? I, yeah, I think some of these horses that everybody's
2: talking about will make it difficult. I actually did a dirt mile top five video, magical. Have it up on the website uh, either late today or tomorrow. So, um, yeah, you go check that out. It'll, and and uh, a lot of the horses that are being talked about, I've mentioned on that uh, video.
1: I love it. Now, remember, Jack Christopher, one twenty one point one five seconds in winning that race. We're going to jump to the fifth race now, where Cody's Wish able to pull off the upset here in the forego and get the job done over the aforementioned Jackie's Warrior. I went three deep and didn't use Cody's wish and felt quite stupid here not to end up on this horse to have coverage against Jackie's Warrior because I thought you might see a little bit of a stumble here. Um, What did you think about Jackie's Warrior? Did did he just kind of need one? Why, Why did we get this effort today?
2: Yeah, a lot to unpack with this one. Uh, Do you remember when he ran in the Vanderbilt and there was a horse that went out and kind of set a hot pace and he sat off and he absolutely dominated and we all were in our group text message because that's what you need to do with him. him Kind of give him the Jack Christopher trip, right? That's what you got to do with this horse. Wow, he was wildly impressive. Well, they sent him and I don't have any problem with him going to the lead, but I don't know. I just feel like when you feel Pipeline on your outside like that and, the, and it's like clear that this 15 to one shot is there to kind of press you. I don't know. Maybe, maybe try to slow it down. Maybe try to let him go out a little bit. I don't think there's any doubt. Pipeline just kind of cooked him. I, I thought at the top of the stretch when he put Pipeline away, I thought, man, this is a gutty horse. This guy has had this horse breathe down his neck. He put him away. And Cody's Wish kind of did a keen ice from 2015 Travers and just kind of took advantage of it. Uh, And all credit to Cody's Wish, ran a great race. I thought Jackie's Warrior ran fantastic. Like I I didn't look at it and go, oh, he needed one or he struggled. He just kind of got pressed. And for whatever reason, we just let this 15-to-1 shot kind of beat him in this spot.
1: And you look where Cody's Wish came from, too. I mean, just way out of the clouds. And it, it, it looked like right here the pipeline was actually the real threat. Um, And then you just started seeing Cody's wish roll down the outside. And it was a question of whether or not Jackie's warrior was going to be able to hold them off. And the answer was just emphatic. No, Um, they end up going 22 and four for the opening quarter or 22 point. We'll say 22.75. The race we just saw went 22.18, which, again, pushes me toward Coniger ran wildly fast early and still did run pretty well to be able to hang on where he was. Cody's wish gets it done here. Now this was an interesting spot to send Cody's Wish to. Do you think Cody's Wish ends up in the sprint or does Cody's Wish use this and go to the, the mile where he's probably a little bit better of a fit?
2: I think he fits a mile and you're going to remember this was 7 furlongs. If this was 6 furlongs, he may not have won, right? I think he needed a he needed that extra furlong to get by him. So I think the mile does make the most sense for him even though, you know, this is usually a step towards the Breeders' Cup sprint like you said. Yeah, I just, you know, I give him all the credit in the world because he had to fire huge. It's not like they were walking home. It's not like Jackie's Warrior again. I thought he ran really well, even after the race, before we saw all the data. You know, Jared and I were talking, we had a huge Jackie's Warrior, Cody's Wish, straight exacta. And, and while it was upsetting, I said, look, he took it to pipeline our pipeline took it to him every step. He he dusted him. He, he galloped away from him. It's just like that's what happens. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really – I'm not down on Jackie's Warrior after this one. I think just the circumstances, and I think more than anything, learn from this. He ran two races up there. You saw that he could stalk in the Banderville and dominate. You saw what happens when he goes to the lead and he has pressure. Yeah, he put that horse away, but he got beat. Stalked the pace. We talked about how Jackie's Warrior – or Jack Christopher, excuse me, has the great running style for the sprint. It's hard to take the sprint gate to wire. Put him off the pace for the Breeders' Cup. Hopefully they learn going forward.
1: What happened last year at the Breeders' Cup?
2: Same shit. He yeah. went
1: and he got cooked. And that's why you saw this the absolute collapse in that race. And Aloha West able to get his nose down against Dr. Schiavel. And uh, Jackie's Warrior ends up running sixth when you – I mean, he was the best horse in that race. It just the, the circumstances of the cost in the race, you mentioned it. He was able to stock two back. I, I don't know why you didn't stock here again. Maybe it's because it was seven furlongs, that extra furlong you chose not to. But I would have definitely tried to let Pipeline clear and then sit outside of him and go and see if that could have made the difference here. Because, you're again, you're the best horse in this spot. The way you lose is you get cooked early. It's exactly what happened here with Jackie's Warrior. Now, I want to take a look at the incremental pace or the last pace here. Remember, 20, 121.15 was the final time for Jack Christopher. Jackie's Warrior gets a 121.16. So a, a literally hundredth of a second slower. Now let's jump to those buyer figures. Jack Christopher got a 104. Jackie's Warrior comes back with a second career-high 109 buyer. So five points higher, even though running second in a slower race, it's because of the final furlong time that that buyer came back. That's one of the big factors in when calculating a buyer. What do you think about the 109 number and the 112 from Cody's Wish?
2: Well, I guess explain to me how that's possible
1: mathematically. Can you? <laughs> well, so the buyer's figures, are it's a, it's a formula that, that develops the numbers based on the final time But one of the largest factors is how fast a horse comes home, which is why I like time form. It's nice because the the number is is developed based off of the early pace and the late pace, whereas buyers are just the late pace in the final time. So if your last furlong is faster, in this case, Jackie's Warriors final furlong was faster than Jack Christopher's. He got a higher buyer, even though the overall time was slow because the time of the winner was so fast. So because his personal time does not be taken to as much of effect because of the time of the winner. It's one of those flaws in this system where like, and it's one of the reasons I like buyers. If you know how they get made, you know where the weaknesses are, and you know when you can kind of go against them the next time. And to me, 112 is wild for Cody's wish. 109 seems crazy for Jackie's Warrior. 105 seems high for Pipeline. I think all three of them, but well, I probably am not going to fade Jackie's Warrior next time out. The other two I think are good shots of fading if they come back at short prices because of this inflated number.
2: I feel like with buyers, I'll make a golf reference for people maybe to kind of understand where I'm coming from. I feel like with buyers... If you're still using them as like your only source or your main source. And again, I'm, this is not a knock on Andy Buyer. I mean, revolutionized the game and any any figure that's been made past him has been a product of him. And they've just per, like kind of, you know, uh, replicated the yeah. system and then improved it where they thought they improved. it. It's not a knock on this person. And buyers are great. They're much better than what they had in the old days. But if this is your main source, kind of like going to the golf course with wooden shafts instead of the new graphite or steel shafts. Like, I really feel like that's kind of the, the, they're dated, right? They don't make any sense. This doesn't make any sense to me. I, you rambled all that off and I'm like, I don't, I don't even, (laughs) you know, like I, I just, that's just the way I look at it. I I just think they're a little bit dated and uh, there's been improvements from other numbers that are all, again, a derivative of buyers. But yeah, I mean, the bottom line is I, I can't, See a world where Cody's wish improved ten buyer points here. I just can't see it.
1: It it, it seems kind of wild uh, that, that you saw that big of a jump. And if you go, um, if you go to time form, which I know it's something that uh, that you like, you know, the, the career high for Cody's wish coming into this was a one twenty six. He was right around that number from a time form perspective. So not a 10, 10 point buyer jump. And the 126 was off that 104. So time form had these races much more informed than buyers did, um, which I think we both have talked about in the past. You do see some discrepancies there. And generally when there is, I would lean more toward the time form being correct because it takes early pace into account, not just the late pace. Uh, so I, I would say again, and the reason why we're harping on buyers specifically on the dirt at Saratoga is because... All of them came back high. Every one of them, even if you flip into like some of these other races, the allowance races, you had multiple horses setting their career high buyers in $50,000 start allowance races. The dirt, for some reason, came back high from a buyer perspective uh, on Saturday. And it, it means that a lot of these horses got numbers that are inflated that they will not be able to run back to, especially the ones that finished third, fourth, fifth, places like that.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you're going to bet these horses back, you need to look at other buyers minus what you just saw, right? What this most recent one was. Like, we're not saying Cody's Wish will not win next out. We're saying if you get into a race and let's say they all have like 102s, 103s right around in there. and then, But Cody's Wish has this one standout of 112. you are like, oh, well, they can't beat him. That's not necessarily going to be the case. You need to remember this day, this was pretty
1: wacky well and you also have to remember that that this is the number one number looked at by the betting public this more money gets bet off buyers yeah. than any other piece of information and so that means that the horses that have these these outlander outlier buyers are going to get bet more off of those numbers and that will create value on the other horses it's again one of the reasons why we're trying to harp on um, specifically the buyer numbers here coming back from Saratoga's dirt course on Saturday uh let's let's go one race earlier close this out the Boston Spa mile on 16th on the turf grade two uh technical analysis was your star here for Chad Brown what did you think of technical analysis effort
2: I feel like you know she just got the trip she got the trip you needed you needed her to get out to the lead on paper it certainly looked like she was going to get out to the lead. She did. And she just held on. I, I didn't think she ran just tremendous, you know, uh, top of the stretch. I thought, okay, this is going to probably be a four or five length win. Uh, we were standing about, Oh, for that race, 200 yards, let's say from the finish line, fluffy socks was starting to really cut into it. Thank God. Technical analysis. They they gave her a couple of whips uh, on a uh, right-handed, and she really kind of took off again and kind of got enough separation to hold on. I wasn't wildly impressed with this. I'm really not interested in betting many of these horses back next out, unless the spots are just, uh, you know, pretty weak.
1: I would say that these are a bunch of grade two and grade three animals. And if you see any of them in grade ones, you probably should take a pause, right?
2: Yeah, I think that's the best way to put it for sure.
1: So we'll, we'll see where they end up. Obviously, Brown, a ton of horses coming out of this. I thought Fluffy Sox actually ran pretty well to be able to make a move into the pace as well, sitting pretty far back around the first turn. So that was a pretty good effort there. We've got one more weekend here at Saratoga. Let's take a look ahead. We've got one more weekend at Del Mar. So we got the Pacific Classic coming up. Uh, is the Pacific Classic the race you're most excited about this weekend?
2: I think it has to be. You know, I mean, we, we, we've we been ranking Flatline number one. We've been saying Flatline's the number one Classic contender. But, It's one of those awkward things where he's never been further than a mile. So it's like, we're going to know this weekend what we're going to do with him moving forward. He's one of those weird ones. If he loses this race, he might fall all the way out of the rankings completely because he probably would not even target the Breeders' Cup Classic. He would target a race we talked about earlier, the Dirt Mile, and he'd be one to nine. So, yeah, it's very exciting to kind of – we'll know that piece of the puzzle after this weekend. And uh, it's not like it's going to be a a cakewalk because he's going to have to face Country Grammar A horse that won the Dubai World Cup at a mile and a quarter. So it's a pretty stiff test for him uh, in this spot. Not to mention Bob Baffert is the trainer of Country Grammar. So, yeah, it's what I'm looking forward to the most. Uh, We do have the Jockey Club Gold Cup as well as Saratoga, and that, that should be a decent race as well.
1: I always love the hopeful at Saratoga too. Closing day, you get to you get that on on Monday. It's the blast the two year old, the first two year old Grade One race, I believe, And two year old uh, males going. I did seven furlongs there at Saratoga. Generally, you get some pretty good horses coming out of it. Jack Christopher and Witt both in there last year. Uh, or no, Gunite was in it last year. I'm sorry, it was Jack Christopher and Witt two years ago. So you get a lot of fun horses coming out of those races. Um, so we'll see what we get at Saratoga this year for for the hopeful. It's always been one of my favorites ever since City Zip uh, dead heated it in an absolute downpour. <laughs> When they had to move the post time forward and everyone ran under the grandstand. It was one of my, my one of those Saratoga memories I won't ever forget. We got a busy week here at Racing Dudes. Let's talk a little bit about that. It is opening week for college football. We had week zero last week and one of the more bonehead moments from Nebraska's head coach kicking an onside kick up 11. That seemed a little outlandish, especially when you're overseas facing a Northwestern team. Then you're better. So we're excited to have college football back. We've got dudes who bet sports coming back. Aaron, when are you and Papa Dude going to be breaking down week one? So we're going to break down week
2: one on Wednesday night. So look for Dudes Who Bet Sports on Wednesday night. And then next week, we'll go back to our Monday-Thursday schedule that we keep throughout the uh, football season. So uh, yeah, Wednesday night, we're going to break down week one. We'll be back with reactions on Monday, and then we'll break down uh, all the action for week two on Thursday. And we'll kind of just go through like that. Uh, I got to be honest. I'm not looking forward to college football season now. Here's why. My lock of the year – was Northwestern plus 13? I, I have nowhere to go but down now. After that,
1: <laughs> you also gave up your lock of the year already. You can't have another one.
2: I know, I know. I, I, I had little doubt that Northwestern would cover the spread. Little, little doubt. And I was falling on my phone at Saratoga. And I'm like, wow, there maybe, maybe I was wrong because when Nebraska got up 11, and then it's like, I, again, I'm falling on my phone. I'm at the Travers, I'm not watching these two terrible teams. Northwestern Nebraska at the travel Ireland. Yeah, in, in Ireland. And so Nebraska kicks off, and I'm like, wow, they, they must return that kick. They've got it past midfield already. That's that's awesome. We'll get a quick score. I had no idea they'd kicked an onside kick there. Yeah.
1: Up 11, uh, all the momentum in the world to try to decide to kick an onside kick. Probably would have worked if it was well executed, but there really was no reason to risk it. Um, we're going to have Dude2Bet Daily coming at you every Wednesday through Sunday as well. Wrapped up last week up $300. That's a four straight winning week on Dude2Bet, uh, who's, Dude2Bet Daily. Up almost three grand now, seven weeks into that show. That's pretty pretty damn good as well, Aaron. Uh,
2: yeah, we've we've done really well with that show. Well, Papa Dude, man. This guy's killing baseball right now. He's killing baseball. He's he doesn't wrong. listen. We have got to keep him... Away from football, we've got to convince him. You stick with baseball.
1: I don't think we'll be able to do it. I, I, I do Once once we get college football rolling, he's going to be picking a college football game every day. If he starts losing him then we start like poking him here and getting him to go. Come on, MLB, get back to it, man.
2: Dude, he he's so excited for college football too. Like he's text me every day. I was like, but dude, you got to stick with baseball. Like you're like a, you're like <laughs> hundred and one in your last hundred and one games. <laughs>
1: So, make make sure to check out Dudes Who Bet Daily as well every weekday, or well, every day from Wednesday through Sunday at noon Eastern. Best bets from baseball, from football, Delmar, Saratoga. We preview the Delmar and Saratoga cards as well live at noon. It's about 15, 20 minutes. It's a great way to, to kind of kick off your day, find out who, uh, who our best bets are throughout the card. Magic Mike Show will be back on Thursday. I'm guessing we're going to cover the Del Mar pick four because, you know, we got to give Magic one Del Mar pick four in the entire time of the meet. It seems like the right thing to do. And then make sure you check out the racing on Monday as well. We've got a holiday weekend, which means we've got Saratoga and Del Mar running on Monday. We'll have some great cards there as well. Aaron, anything else you want to throw out there before we sign off?
2: Yeah, I just want to I just want to shout out to all the people uh, we met during the Saratoga meet, uh, especially this last weekend. It was just insane. We met. uh Jesse and Jalen and and Dennis and Vicky and all her crew. And, I mean, we could just go on and on and on. All the people we met. Uh, it's unbelievable uh, that you know that 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 you guys are watching. Uh, we appreciate every single one of you. I, I really, I was like, this. We're just lucky, lucky people that we've we've you know been working at this long enough. We've attracted this kind of audience, and and everybody's just loving the content. YouTube. I mean, last year we really started dedicating that. Uh, going to YouTube and, and getting these uh, videos out. And I think it's really helped uh, people find us and people watching. So uh, just incredible to meet everybody all, all year at Sertug, and like I said, especially on the Travers. And shout out to Kelly, Von Hemel, and the crew for bringing 8 Live Grand up. You know, it's not what they wanted to finish seventh, but they beat the Preakness winner. So, uh, you <laughs> know, that's good. And and they were excited. They said, look, we, we finished like four or five links out of second in the Travers with an Iowa bread. How are we, we going to be upset? They were classy. They did not. Criticize a ride like I did, but uh, it happens. But anyway, I just thank you, everybody. Uh, really means a lot uh, that we got to you know meet everybody, and uh, it was it was a great uh, great time up at Saratoga again.
1: Yeah, it's it's been phenomenal to see this, just the reaction uh, when you're going around the tracks from from the last year or so, and even last year. I remember at Breeders' Cup, we were walking around, the number of people that came up and say hi was uh, very flattering. It's great to meet everybody, and it's it's really cool to see some some fans hanging out with other fans now that, that we have people yes. that. They kind of have meetups and gotten together. I mean, seeing seeing Shadi and uh, in, up in Seattle and, and seeing her with with uh, oh, I can't remember her name right now for some reason. Uh, but anyway, seeing seeing the fans together, Vicky, we've seen Scotty, Vicky and Shadi together. Pretty amazing when when they're going up there. One more thing coming up this week I didn't even mention it. We got Kentucky Downs on Thursday. Aaron, are you excited? For, are you a pro or con Kentucky Downs person? Con. I hate Kentucky Downs. I thought you might. Why do you hate Kentucky Downs? I just,
2: I never do any good there. So you tend to hate someplace where you have trouble hitting, hitting
1: tickets. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's fair. I just, I love, it's so unique. One thing I'm going to say, don't get frustrated with Kentucky Downs cameras. And don't get frustrated with the Kentucky Downs photo finishes. Last year, there was something like the photo finish is so skewed to the inside horse. You have no clue who actually finishes first across the wire until you see that photo. So don't get too ahead of yourself. And man, it feels like they're four stretch cameras when they're coming down the lane because it just cuts from one to the other, to the other, to the other. And then the race finally ends.
2: Well, it, let me be clear. And I know you're you're saying you love Kentucky Downs. I have no problem like watching it and I know like going to the that track is amazing and all this kind of stuff. I'm saying I hate it because I can't cash a ticket. That's what I'm telling you. I, I'm not, I don't, there's no hate for Kentucky Downs. I mean, I like it. It's kind of a cool thing. I just can't cash a ticket there. And that's why I hate it.
1: Well, the, the beauty, if you do cash one, you're probably good. That's the nice part True. about Kentucky Downs. It's a boutique True. six-day meet. You've got 12, 13 horse fields, left, right, and center. Uh, some of the biggest purses in the country. If you have the chance to go, I highly would recommend it. Aaron and I did our top five favorite small tracks. Kentucky Downs made my list. I bet it would have made Aaron's if he had been there before. So he's got to get his ass out to the Kentucky Downs at some point. You can literally tailgate right up against the rail. Uh, it's an absolute blast to go. there. really unique European-style tracks. So that'll be starting this week as well. Uh, I know we'll have the bombs up for it. I bet the Rockets and the, and the premium picks will be there as well. So you can check out picks over there at RacingDudes.com if you'd like. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining us here on the Magic Mike Show. I know Magic was bummed that he could not gush about Epicenter for 45 minutes, but we had Aaron here, got to talk through the races. Aaron, appreciate you jumping on. Uh, we will see everybody back here on Wednesday for Dudes Who Bet Daily. You've got Dudes Who Bet Sports on Wednesday. We're going to have the Magic Mike Show and Blinkers Off back on Thursday, so make sure you stick with us here. Good luck, everybody. We'll see you at the track.
0: Racing. it's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael New, Magic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of their shows. Real fans look forward to these guys and their last because they know they're not talking out of their royal ass. What well, they say makes sense. So ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents the Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDunes.com.